listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. Today, I'm talking about um, three uh, really crucial mistakes. I mean, these are, these are critical mistakes. These, these are uh, life or death, in my opinion, as you look at. And I've, one of the benefits that I have of being a traveling minister is that you see so many people around the country. You get to see uh, what's going on in different churches. You get to see uh, what the enemy's trying to use to attack people. And one of the things that would blow your mind as you look at it is that the enemy has no new tricks. It's, it's funny because you can go to one place and you're like, I've seen that same exact issue many times before. I've seen that same problem many times before. The devil has no new tricks, but he's using the same things over and over against God's children to try to trip them up and to destroy their purpose and what God's called them to do. And uh, the Bible says we're not ignorant of the devil's devices. And so we're pressing in to break through every hindrance, every resistance to, uh, that would try to hold us back from what God's called us to do. And today, I want to discuss three of those with you, three uh, critical mistakes that would prevent you from advancing and, and, and from the outset. Let me just make it plain, and you know it if you're a, if you're a regular on this broadcast. God's desire is that you advance. It is that you continually increase. God's desire is never that you stay in the same place or stagnation. That's not God's desire. It's never-ending increase for the children of God. The path of the just is a shining light that shines more and more until the perfect day. Those that are uh, standing in the way of God and obeying his commands, Psalm 1 tells us they'll be like trees planted by the riverbank that their leaves will never wither. They'll bear fruit in every season. They'll prosper in all they do. It's never-ending increase for the children of God. So don't expect to, to plateau. Don't expect to plateau. Expect advancement. Expect increase in your life and in your ministry and in your family and business. Whatever you've put your hand to do, expect increase. And so I want to deal with these uh, three critical mistakes that people make that, and many times they make them without truly thinking about it because it's the way the flesh leans. You know, your flesh leans toward uh, carnality and things that don't please God. And this is why Paul taught that uh, the flesh is at war with the spirit. They're fighting against each other. That's Galatians 5.17 for those that are taking notes. The flesh is fighting against the spirit. And so Paul said they're, they're, so, they're so in conflict that you feel like you're not free to do what you want to do. And of course, he's talking about your spirit man there because the real you is your spirit man. In fact, I would love you to start your notes today by putting that down in the comments, putting it in your notes. The real me is my spirit man. The real me is my spirit man. And when Paul was talking about putting his flesh under it's interesting to me in, in, when he wrote to the Corinthians that he said, I put my body under. So he was, in essence, saying, my body's not the real me. I, my spirit man, is the real me. I put my body under. My spirit man just lives in my body. But my body's not the real me. The spirit is the real me. I put my body under on a daily basis. Lest after having preached to others... I would become a, a castaway or reprobate or disqualified. So Paul knew it. The real us is our spirit man. And that's why when he said that in Galatians 5.17, he said, uh, so that you're not free to do what you want to do. Well, who's you? The spirit man. So when your flesh is warring against the spirit and pulling you in that direction, he says, and there's conflict, you're not free to do what you, what you want to do. That's your spirit. Because when you get saved, your spirit man wants to please the Lord. When you get saved, your spirit man wants to please the Lord. 
you are translated out of the, of the kingdom of darkness and you're placed into the kingdom of light. You're regenerated, you're renewed. So you're not, uh, as Paul told the Roman church, sin shall no longer have dominion over you. When you get saved, sin does not, and that sin nature does not have dominion over you anymore. And by the way, if you're just jumping on, uh, take a minute to share this broadcast today. It's vitally important for those moving forward in this year of divine possession. Sin does not have dominion over you anymore. So I understand that sometimes just by default, people start to fade over into the carnal nature if they don't take authority, if they don't focus on living a spiritual life. And that's, that's crucial. So we're going to deal with these things. And I realize that you have to guard yourself. You have to guard yourself, guard your life, guard your heart. In fact, that's what the writer of Proverbs uh, wrote in Proverbs chapter four. And he said, above all else, guard your heart. And the ESV says in 4.23, Proverbs 4.23, keep your heart with all vigilance, with all vigilance. You've got to be vigilant when you're guarding your heart. For out of it or from it flow the springs of life. Be vigilant. So it takes vigilance, diligence when you guard your heart. It is part of your uh, spiritual warfare, if you will. Because if the, if the Holy Spirit inspired this, out of your heart flows all the issues of life, all of the issues of life. Jesus said, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth will speak. Well, you and I both know how important your confession is. Your confession uh, is everything. What you say, the things that you speak, the things you confess and declare over your life and over your family, very vital. And so if your heart is not guarded, if it's being filled with things that are detrimental to your future, then what are you going to speak when your heart is filled with that? You're going to speak things that are detrimental to your future, right? And so you have to guard it with all vigilance, the Bible says, for out of it flow the issues of life. And so if we don't do that, then you can, by the flesh, coast over into a carnal way of living, a carnal nature, right? And so we're going to deal with that today. <clears throat> what are these three, what are these three uh, critical mistakes that people make that prevent them from advancing? Well, let's, let's start with this first one uh, and put it in the comments. Number one, one of the things you'll see often is a critical spirit. You'll see a critical spirit. This is a, a really hard thing to uh, deal with because um, the root is in pride, as you know, a critical spirit. So one of the things you have to work hard to keep out of your life, I mean, very hard, is a critical spirit. People get critical of everybody. They're critical of their pastor. They're critical of the people they go to church with. They're critical of their friends and loved ones. I mean, just that critical spirit creeps in and then people, they fade over into and not without even realizing it many times, because here's the thing. What if the things you're criticizing are actually valid things to criticize? They're actually valid criticisms that you have. Well, it's true that you could have valid criticisms of someone, but think of it this way rather than criticizing them, begin to pray for them, that God would show them, that God would open their eyes and help them to make changes in these areas. Now, everyone deals with this. Everyone deals with this because uh, the flesh's natural tendency is to criticize. But a critical spirit is a danger. It's a danger to your future because it's rooted in pride. And that's the reason that's so dangerous. Go with me to James chapter four. The reason that that's so dangerous is because pride is an element that sets you in opposition to God. That's an issue. So let's, let's read this together. 
James chapter 4 and verses uh, 6 and 7 and 8. So we'll read James chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. And I want you to mark these down if you don't have them marked. Very important. The Bible says, but he, that is God, but he gives more grace or favor. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives more grace to the humble. That's verse 6. God opposes the proud, but he gives more grace to the humble. And so something I want you to catch right off the bat is that uh, when you're walking in pride, when you're living in pride, taking actions of pride, notice what happens. It sets you in opposition to God. He opposes the proud, but he gives more grace, more favor to who? The humble. Gives more grace to the humble. So humility, truly, is a key that attracts God's favor to your life. Did you ever think about that? Humility, meekness, it is an element that attracts, like a magnet, God's favor to your life. And so what, what's the key? We've got to work as hard as we can to drive out all pride, all haughtiness. And Yanil is referencing Matthew chapter 5 and verse 5. The Bible says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So it is inheritance that comes by meekness. It is favor that comes by humility, right? The, Bi the Bible says in the, the book of Proverbs, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall, right? Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. So this is a trap of the devil, man, to try to use against you to not, not only make sure you miss your favor, but put you in a place where you're in opposition to God. I don't know about you. I have no desire for God to oppose me <laughs> because the Bible says in Romans that if God is for you, tell me who can be against you. Well, the opposite of that is also true. If God's against you, who can be for you? If God is against you, who can be for you? So I don't want God to oppose me. I want God to be working on my behalf. I want God working on my side. And so uh, you've got to learn to get a critical spirit out of your life. Criticizing, criticizing has to go. It's rooted in pride. And of course, there might be, and again, I said, it's not that it's always unsubstantiated. There are valid criticisms. No question about that. We all encounter them. We all encounter them. Valid criticisms. It's like, you know, there's stuff that really does suck. There's stuff that really is wrong. There are things that really could be better. But we're not uh, called to be critical, but we are called to pray. We are called to pray. And so... This critical spirit, I'm going to keep going here. He opposes the proud, gives grace to the humble. Grace is the same word there for favor uh, in the Greek language. Verse 7, and submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. So notice how these kind of all going in line with one another. So when we get pride out, when we get a critical spirit out and we start to uh, humble ourselves. When you humble yourself, that is an avenue into submitting yourself to God. Submitting yourself to God. You know, there are plenty of people that, that could say, well, I, I can make my own plan for my life. I don't need anybody making a plan for my life or telling me what to do or where to go. I'm smart enough to come up with my own solutions. Yeah, that's pride. But humility says, Lord, I don't know what to do. Give me your instructions. Speak to me by your spirit. Speak to me out of your word. And don't let me miss what you've called me to do. And don't let me miss my inheritance because I've been too proud to hear your voice and to obey your leading and to be corrected by your written word. Don't let me miss what you've called me to do because of pride. It's a cancer in the body of Christ that must be cut out. And the spirit of humility has to come upon us. Pride 
allows you to submit yourself to the Word of God and the Spirit of God. Humility is the key. Did I say pride? Humility is the key. Pride keeps you from submitting yourself. Humility allows you to submit yourself. That's why pride has to be cut out. A proud person, someone who comes up with their own solutions, a proud person will not submit themselves to the Word of God. That's why the Bible warns us, do not think more highly of yourself than you ought to. We could all learn from that. Every one of us could use that to correct ourselves in many circumstances. Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. It's dangerous. It's pride. And pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Humble yourself, the Bible says. Draw near to God and then he will draw near to you. See, that's one of the things during this time of fasting and prayer that we've, I've been teaching is that we're the ones who take the first steps toward God. Now, of course, we know God took the initial first step to send Jesus. We get that. But after Jesus was sent, his children are required to take active steps to seek his face. That's why James wrote here, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. God draws near to those that are drawing near to him. He's those that are moving toward his presence. He's moving toward them. Draw near to God. He will draw near to you. Now look at this, cleanse your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts, you double-minded. So as we submit to God in humility, saying, God, your ways are higher than my ways, your thoughts are higher than my thoughts, I thank you, Lord, that your plan is better than my plan, your word is uh, not only true, but it is my guide for life to complete me, to equip me, all those things we talked about last night and we humble ourselves. when we do that, we are submitting ourselves to God. And when we do, whatever devil, whatever demon spirit has been harassing our life, the Bible says it has to flee from us as we submit ourselves to God. Because why? He's drawing near to us. By submitting ourselves, by humbling ourselves, we're drawing near to him. And as we get into his presence and he draws near to us, what demon is gonna stay in his presence? What harassing force is going to stay in his presence? What sickness, what depression, what addiction is going to stay in his presence? That's correct, Jody. It's one of the reasons that we fast. And again, if you've not gone through this yet, I highly recommend you go through this complete guide to biblical fasting because I go through, uh, I mean, the first chapter is 10 reasons to fast and pray. It's all explained here so that we understand why we're doing what we're doing. But, but get this in your spirit. As we humble ourselves, as we approach him, he's approaching us. And he's driving out every demonic force. Glory to God. He's driving out every demonic force that thought it could stay in our lives, stay in our homes, stay in our families. It cannot stay. It cannot stay. For when the presence of God comes in, the Bible says that the Lord is a spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 17. 2 Corinthians 3, 17. The Lord is a Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So when His presence comes in, see, we're talking about advancing. You, can, you can't advance independently of God's Spirit. And any advancement in the flesh is a waste of time. It's a waste, and the Bible says so. The Bible says so. The Bible says in Psalm 127 and verse 1, it says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. You see that? <clears throat> unless the Lord is guarding the city. The watchmen walked the walls in vain. So any advancement in the flesh is worthless according to scripture. I don't want to try to advance in my flesh. I only want to advance by the spirit of God. I sent out uh, a text to our team this morning that as we're coming to finish this fast, 
I sent this this text because um, this is what we're we're focusing on some specific prayer points. But one of them, and I want you to hear it, one of them is this: God, we ask you to let us do nothing except what you have mandated. That's big right there. That's the first part of the prayer point. God, let us do nothing except what you have mandated. Number two, let us go nowhere that you have not commissioned us and let us never have what you have not prepared for us to have. And I base that prayer point on Psalm 127 and verse one. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. Hallelujah. They labor in vain that build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, then the watchmen walk the walls in vain. Why? Because you can't guard something if God said it's coming down. Ask the walls of Jericho. I don't care how powerful and strong and fortified they were. If God said they're coming down, they're coming down. So unless the Lord's watching over the city, there's, it doesn't matter how many uh, watchmen you have on the walls. Doesn't matter. I don't want any advancement in the flesh. I only want advancement by the Spirit of God. And that's what this year's about. It's a year of advancement. It's a year of divine possession. We're going to have what we've never had. We're going to do what we've never done. Be, be encouraged, man. Be encouraged in your spirit. God's getting ready to do some things that are going to blow the minds, not just of the wicked, but even of the believer. Even of the believer. And we, our mouths will be filled with laughter and our tongues will be filled with singing and it'll feel like a dream. It'll feel like a dream. Hallelujah. But see, we've got to keep this critical spirit out. It's a form of pride and it keeps us from advancement in the kingdom of God. I don't want pride. No pride in my life in Jesus' name. Humility only. Humility only in Jesus' name. I know why. I know why humility is so vital now. I understand it is the key to God's favor. I understand it's the key to his mighty right hand coming upon me and lifting me up head and shoulders above the rest. Not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Hallelujah. So number one, you've got to remove a critical spirit as quickly as you can. As quickly as you can. I mean, I, I have to work on this. We all have to work on this. It's something that tries to creep into every person's life. A critical spirit. But you remember, it's like that phrase that they used to say when we were growing up. Many of you will remember it. If you, don't, if you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything at all. But go a step further than that. If you don't have something good or uplifting or encouraging to say, then look at that situation that you're getting ready to speak about and maybe instead of that criticism, instead of not saying it anything at all, begin to pray. Pray for the person. Pray for the situation. Pray that God would turn it around. But whatever you do, cut the critical spirit out of your life and allow yourself to walk in humility and watch God lift you head and shoulders above the rest. That's number one. Number two, this is a, a thing that many believers struggle with. And the second critical mistake that keeps you from advancement is improper relationships outside of your faith. And I want to deal with this. Improper relationships outside of your faith. Let me just say something right off the bat on this point, And that is this. Life <clears throat> is moving at an accelerated pace. And I know that you understand that. Life is moving at an accelerated pace. No question it is. And so there, there's no time to be wasted. There is no time to be wasted whatsoever. People feel like they've got like a million years in front of them. You don't have that. Life is a vapor. It's a vapor. It flies by. I mean, you think, if you think to yourself, I mean, something hit me, and I know this hits everybody at this, at this point, but it's like most people think that like, you know, there's people that pass away. I'm not, I'm not planning to pass away at 82 years old or 85 years old or 80 years old. But, I mean, my grandmother's getting ready to have her 90th birthday party. But there are people that pass away at 80 and 82. 
And when you think about the average lifespan of someone in America, we know many people pass away at that age, something hits you. Like in a year like this is my 40th year. I turned 40 in the month of August. And you think to yourself when you stop for a minute and think, I'm halfway to 80 now. Like life, life moves so quickly. And you think to yourself, like I'm now, yeah, right, Ben. Ben, ben wrote, I was, I'm, I was a teenager yesterday. Yes, yes, I get it. And it's like, I'm halfway to 80 this year. And, and it's like this, this 40 years flew by. Life is a vapor. Life is a vapor. And because it's so quick and there's so much the Lord has called you to do, there's no time to be wasted. There's no time to be wasted. There should be an urgency burning in your spirit to do what God's called you to do. And you realize, I can't be wasting time. I can't be just goofing off in life. And people don't think like that. And they need to think like that. There, listen to me. There are people that are just coasting through life. Coasting through life. As if, you know, nothing matters. It's like, dude, life is flying by. And if you don't, to quote Apostle Ferris Bueller, if you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. And what I mean by that is, he, he was right, or the writer of that movie was right, that life is flying by. And, and if you don't get involved in what God's called you to do quickly, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss out on what God's called you to do. You can't just coast. You can't just cruise as if nothing matters. Life is serious. What God's called you to do is serious. And that's why these improper relationships outside of your faith, they're a waste of time. They're a waste of time. You say, well, that doesn't sound very compassionate, brother. You know, that these people. No, I'm not saying don't minister to those people. I'm not saying don't, uh, you know, pray for those people. I'm not saying any of that. I understand there's people who need Jesus. And it's not that we ignore people who need Jesus. But I'm talking about making close friendships and spending your life with people that don't even adhere to the same things that you do. Why would you claim to be a sold out Christian. You know, I'm, I'm on fire for God. I'm going to do what God's called me to do and all these things. I follow the word of God and make close relationships with people that don't care at all about obeying the scripture. They don't care at all about doing what the Lord has asked in his word. They don't care. They're not serving God. Their desires are carnal and fleshly and sinful. Why am I linking myself up with people whose desires are carnal and fleshly and sinful. When the Bible, and I'm going to read this to you because Paul wrote to the Corinthians in his second letter. And he, this is 2 Corinthians 6, and I'm beginning with verse 14. And that's right, Yaniel. Bad company corrupts good character. Exactly right. That's exactly right. But listen to what Paul wrote. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? What fellowship does light have with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? Now listen to this. And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Now I'll stop there and say, I've read some commentaries here on this uh, passage that suggest that it could be possible that these believers in Corinth were still uh, having relationship with people that were worshiping idols, that were sacrificing to idols. And so Paul's very clear and says, what agreement does the temple of God have with idols? And he was pointing out to them that it's not just about going to the temple. You are the temple. So why would you take the temple of God and move it to a place where they're worshiping idols? There's no relationship there. There's no relationship there. And so these, these relationships are time wasters. And they're, they're truly, they're wicked in that they, the devil tries to use these relationships to pull you into things that you were never called to be in. Pull you into places you were never called to go to think things and to, you know, to, to operate in a way you were not called to operate. 
He brought you out of darkness, not so you could go back into it, out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And these relationships become time wasters. That's right, you know, how can two walk together if they don't agree? That's exactly right. So what you have happening, and I used to do this all the time uh, when ministering to youth, is to let them see there's a conflict when you've got two people, because notice, if we looked at opposing directions and we say this way is the way of God, this way is the way of the world, the carnal way, the sinful way, the wicked way, then if you've got somebody that's headed that way, that's unsaved, that they are carnal and sinful, and you're a child of God and your spirit's pulling you this way, when you link yourself up together with someone like that, it's going to always be a constant pull and a tug of war fight in the unseen realm because your spirit wants to please God. Their spirit has zero desire to please God. And so your desires aren't even going to be the same. Your desires will not even be the same. And these improper relationships will keep you back from advancing in the kingdom of God. And the devil knows how. You know, it's interesting. I heard a minister say this one time. Uh, when God wants to bless you, he'll put a person in your life. But when the devil wants to curse you, he'll put a person in your life. It's the same method with two different outcomes. That's why you have to be so discerning about who is in your life, who your friends are, who, you know, it's like the people that are on my team. I wouldn't have them on my team if I didn't want them to be around, if I didn't want them around me. You know, I would never have somebody on the Miracle Word team and be like, you know what, you know, we're just going to give them this position to help them out. They're in a rough place. No, the people that are on my team, I want them around me. God has brought them in supernaturally. And I, want, I give God thanks and praise for them every day that God brought them here. It's a, it's a blessing. It's a blessing. And I thank God that he's added to our team one after another. And every single one of them that are on the team, I want them around me. I don't, I don't have anyone around me that I don't want there. They're all a blessing to me. And that's how we have to look at it. God will put the right people in your life. And you've got to be discerning that the enemy, when he tries to put people in your life, that it's just constant drama, constant stress, constant fighting, constant bickering, constant complaining, constant, and it's just all they do are things that uh, pull you away from what God said to do. And then what happens if you're not careful is you get sucked into doing those same things that they're doing. And so the key, the key is, if you read what Paul wrote, he said, do not be, now that's a command, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Do not be. Do not be. So uh, the key here is to understand that when you identify, the moment you identify that kind of a relationship that's been sent to you, and you know what? I'm not at all romantic about uh, how long I've had the relationship, right? I, I have no, I don't, I don't care. Once you realize how important this is, once you realize how vital this is, you won't care either. You won't say to yourself, well, we've been friends since high school. Well, we've been, we've been friends since we were little. Doesn't matter. You've made different choices. And the different choices you've made have driven you into two different directions. It's not that you don't love those people anymore. It's not that you don't care about what happens to them. Quite the opposite. But it's, I can't control other people's free will. And because I can't control their free will, I can't make them love God. I can't make them serve the Lord. I can't make them live, live for Jesus. But I've made up my mind, I am going to live for Jesus. I am going to serve the Lord. I am going to be faithful to God. So if I've made that decision and they've made completely conflicting decisions, then I can't control them. And it's not that you're, you're choosing. See, here's the thing. It's not that you're choosing to step away, they've already chosen it because they've already chosen to go away. That is the, truly, if you want to talk about it in the, uh, the most severe degree, it's the way of death. You've chosen the way of death and I've chosen the way of life, period. 
That's it. You've chosen the way of death and I've chosen the way of life. And I refuse to travel down the way of death just so we can have a few laughs and reminisce about old times. I'm not going to go and, and live like that. I'm not living like that. I choose the way of life. And life is too short to goof off and mess around. I'm going to choose to please the Lord with my life. And I want people around me that are going to lift me up. I want people that are going even harder. You know, I want to surround myself or as hard. You know, you think about that. I've told you the story uh, and, and read it to you from scripture of the man who was paralyzed in the gospels, could not get to Jesus, but he had friends that picked up his mat and took him to where Jesus was. Keep in mind that if he didn't have those relationships, if he didn't have those friends, he would not have gotten to Jesus. He would have not gotten a miracle. He would have not had his life turned around. So you can see that not only, now think about this. They didn't just bring him to where Jesus was, but when they saw that the house was full and they couldn't get in, notice what they did. They all crawled up on the roof and pulled him up. So do you see this? Uh, if he didn't have friends, what if he had friends that were easily discouraged? And they're like, you know what? We took you there, but you know, the house was full and there was just no, there was no way, there was no way to get in. So we'll try another meeting. No, they crawled up on the roof and tore the roof open. So that means he wasn't just willing to go to another level. His friends were willing to go to another level. And that's what I want around me. People who are willing to go to another level. People are willing to press in with everything they've got and go to another level. That's key. That is key. And that's what we want. And so that, that has to be in front of your mind all the time because it's a critical mistake people make that prevent them from advancing. I've got improper relationships that are like chains on my back that just pull me back into the way of the world, the things of this world. And I don't want it. I don't want it. Let them come to an end quickly this month in Jesus name. Let them come to an end quickly this month in Jesus name. And so number one, a critical spirit. Number two, improper relationships. Number three, and this is something that you can actually use as a, um, as, as a marker, a, a spiritual marker in your life. And that is decreased faithfulness, decreased faithfulness. Put it in the comments. It's the third issue that we see people deal with decreased faithfulness. So what does that mean? People that start dropping off in their diligence, people that start dropping off uh, in their, in their faith. It's people that their obedience becomes optional. You know, you start seeing in every area of their life, you start to recognize it in every area of life. They stop being as faithful to a church, attend church as they used to. They used to be there every week. Now you see them about once a month. You see them straggling in about once a month. Decreased faithfulness. They used to be a big giver, man. And now they don't give. Their giving's dropped off. They used, they used to say they used to be so excited they used to be so excited about sharing their faith and witnessing to those and winning souls to Jesus. They don't do it anymore. They don't talk about it anymore. They used to volunteer at their church. They'd be on all the serve teams. They'd do, you know, ushering, greeting, whatever, media team, all that. They stopped that. Well, pastor, I'm just going to take some time away from this. I don't really feel like it's for me right now in this season of my life. So they're decreasing in their faithfulness. They're decreasing in their faithfulness. These are all markers. They're signs that you can clearly see somebody's pulling back. They're pulling back. And we're not called to pull back. In fact, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10. I want to give you something that'll stir you up today. This, this was a part of our reading from yesterday, Hebrews chapter 10. I believe we finished yesterday on Hebrews chapter 10. But let's look at the end of the chapter. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 35, therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has great reward for you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. Look at that endurance, patience for yet a little while and the coming one will come and will not delay. 
but my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, listen to this, if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Verse 39 is a big one. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but those who have faith and preserve their souls. That's Hebrews 10, 35 through 39. Nancy says, what happens if you are being discouraged by the church? Find another church. Find another church. The church is not called to discourage you. They're called to encourage you, to correct you, to reprove you. Now, if it's necessary reproof and correction on something, that's a different story. But if they're just simply and purposely discouraging you, that's not the call of the church or the word of God or prophecy. It's called to encourage, to uplift, and to correct. But correction is just course correction, it's direction. That's all it is. And so I would examine yourself before you make a decision to go somewhere else that is this truly just correction for me that I need to apply to my life or is this something that I'm not supposed to be receiving? True discouragement. And there are churches that have lost the victory. There are churches that have totally lost the victory. I don't know where they're at or what they're doing, but they, they need to catch back on fire in 2022 in Jesus' name because there's no time for us to goof off in what we're called to do. So this, this decreased faithfulness, you start seeing Christians coast, man, it's dangerous. It is dangerous. Don't allow yourself to coast. And I'm telling you, that's, that's why I'm so thankful, you know, for the people that God has brought to us, even here on the broadcast, I can tell, you know, how faithful you are just to be on here every single day. I see your names pop up. You're hungry. You're hungry for a mighty move of God. You're not coasting through life. You're pressing in. You're pressing in. Well, God's going to reward you for pressing in. And see, I, I, I preach this all the time, and I hope people catch it, that the Lord is looking for people that diligently seek him. Those that diligently seek him. And we're here in Hebrews 10. Hebrews 11 is where that's found. That without faith, it is impossible to please God. Right? And whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Who diligently, not casually, diligently seek him. That's a big part of your lifestyle of Christianity. Those that seek him. So your seeking will be obviously seen. We're called to be faithful to his house. You think about this. Forget about just Sunday morning church attendance. Forget about that. Think of the fact that in the early church, first century church, book of Acts, that they, according to the scripture and the narrative we can read, they were going to the temple every day at the hour of prayer. I mean, I want you to look at this. Look at the faithfulness of those who turned the world upside down. They weren't casually attending church once a month. <laughs> How ridiculous that even sounds. Once a month. It's not what they were doing. Well, you know, we haven't been to church in a few weeks. We ought to, we ought to go today. We ought, you know what? We ought to get the kids dressed. You know, we ought to go back to church. No, every day they were in the temple at the hour of prayer, which means they prayed an hour every day. And then what we know from other historical narratives like the Didache, they didn't just pray every day, they fasted two days a week. Look at the diligence of the people who turned the world upside down. They were praying daily. They were attending the temple daily. They were seeing people added to the church daily. They were fasting two days a week. They were studying the scriptures daily, listening to the apostles' doctrine daily. Listen, listen to the, I want to show you this. We're talking about diligence. There's a diligence to the relationships that, uh, that, that we have with God. I want to I show you this. Acts chapter 2, go with me there. I believe this is the key to church growth. I really do. Now, I've not grown a church. I've not built a church. But I truly believe this is the key because you see it, it built the church in 
the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. I want you to go there. And I'm going to read it to the end of the chapter through verse 47. Acts 2.42. Now listen to what the believers did. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine or the apostles' teaching. So that's number one. They were devoted to the teaching of the apostles. And like the Bereans, every day were were consulting the word to see if these things were true. They were continually consulting the word of God. Continually considering the apostles' teaching, the apostles' doctrine. That was a daily thing. Devoted themselves to it. Now, stop for a sec. Think about that word. They they were devoted to it. You talk about the word devotion. We talk about it in a husband-wife scenario. One devoted to the other. We're devoted. We have devotion in our marriage. Okay. Well, we're talking about this in their, their relationship to the apostles' teaching. I was devoted to that teaching. Devoted to it. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and... The fellowship. So notice that. And fellowship. So there was an extreme uh, faithfulness to fellowship in the body of Christ in the early church. They weren't, as, as I just covered in the last point, they weren't making their relationships outside of the community of believers. They weren't doing that. They were devoted to fellowship with one another. Same faith, same purpose, same goal, same anointing. Devoted to fellowship, one with another. That's what they were doing. Now look, go further. And to the breaking of bread and prayers. And what are we talking about there? We're talking about um, not just, uh, you know, fellowshipping in the form of hanging out, but also the communion meal and prayer. Remembering what Jesus had done to the breaking of bread and prayer. So not just fellowshipping, hanging out, but also devoting themselves to the Lord's table, communion and prayer. Okay, keep on going. And awe came upon every soul as they did these things. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. So there's another aspect of of what grew their community, signs and wonders. Look at this. And the Bible says, verse 44, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. So they were blessing one another and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Let me give you a heads up here. If they were selling their possessions and belongings to make sure no one had needs, that must mean that the believers had possessions and belongings, which means that they weren't impoverished. They had but possessions and belongings enough to sell them and take the money and take care of everybody that was in need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And look, it was the, what was the result of all this. And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. You see that. And so you you start to realize their faithfulness was not decreasing, it was increasing. They were going to the next level in faithfulness. They were were such, now think about it, they were such an an exploding community that it not only did it take the world by storm, governments had to take notice at what was going on. They couldn't They couldn't understand or believe how even in the midst of such persecution, these communities of believers are exploding. They're exploding. You know why? It's because of their faithfulness to the things of God. Faithfulness to the things of God. And so I'm encouraging you that as we're moving forward in 2022, these three things have to be in your life constantly in front of your eyes. Critical spirit, pride, has to go. Improper relationships outside faith that are keeping me from what God's called me to do, wasting my time, have to go. And I can never find myself decreasing, diminishing in my faithfulness to God, to his house, to his word, to what I'm supposed to be doing, my calling, my purpose. I shouldn't be doing less at my church. I should be doing more. I shouldn't spend time 
with God less in 2022. I should spend more time with God. See, we're, we're making up our mind. Our faithfulness is going to another level. My giving is not going down in 2022. My giving is going up. It's going up. It's going to another level. So you start to realize God's blessing the faithful. God is looking for those that are diligently seeking him, that their hearts are turned toward him. He's going to show himself strong and mighty on their behalf. Hallelujah. This is going to be the greatest year that the faithful have ever seen. Now, I put that in there because I want you to understand, I'm not talking about everybody. I can't stand when people get on, you know, television, everybody watching me, this is going to be the greatest year you've ever had. Whoever's reading this tweet, this is going to be your year of a double portion. No, it won't. No, it won't. And people that are given these mass prophecies that it's going to be the best year that anybody, everybody that's watching, everybody's listening, has ever seen in their life. No, it's not. It doesn't happen because somebody declared it over a television broadcast or an internet broadcast. It happens for the faithful. It is your personal uh, obedience and your personal faithfulness that opens up the windows of heaven over your house and causes God to pour out blessings that you don't have room to contain. You don't have any room to contain what God's about to do for the faithful. For the faithful. Hallelujah. I know. People, Gina, Gina wrote it on YouTube. If you like and share, you'll be blessed. It's like, just like and share. There's no supernatural blessing that comes on people for liking and sharing. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Carrie, so happy you visited uh, the service in Madison. Very, very happy. Louisville in the house. Appreciate it. And I'm just telling you, for the faithful, it's going to be the best we've ever seen. It's going to be the absolute best that we've ever seen. And so we're setting our faith. Just be, now listen to me, listen to this. Just because the fast is coming to an end doesn't mean our dedication is coming to an end. This is just a, 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 a springboard effect into the new year. This is just a jumping off point. Just because, and get this, just because the fast is coming to an end doesn't mean our dedication is coming to an end. We're just getting started. We're just getting started. And I'm sure there'll be other times through the year, and there will be, that we fast and pray. But we need to make up in our mind, this is not the end. We're going to continue to pray like we've never prayed. We're going to continue to read the word like we've never read the word. We're going to keep pressing in like we never have. Make up, make up your mind. Make up your mind. I will be more faithful to church this year than I ever have been in the history of my life. I'm not missing for anything. I'm not missing because I'm tired. I'm not missing because I'm on, you know, even when you go on vacation, when, I, when Carolyn and I go on vacation, we find a church. If it's Sunday, we find a church and we attend it and we worship the Lord. I'm going to be faithful. God is first. I don't need a vacation from God. I don't need a vacation from his word. I don't need a vacation from prayer. I don't need a vacation from giving. No, 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 no. I am a dedicated member of the kingdom. And I'm going to see God's hand move on my family and on my life this year like I have never seen. It's going to be an explosive year of growth and increase in Jesus' mighty name. And I want to pray for those of you that are watching today and ask God that he would touch you in these three areas by the power of his Holy Spirit and that from this day forward, you'll see explosive growth in your life and in your calling. Let's pray. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And we're so thankful for this anointing. So thankful for your written word. Thank you, Lord, for giving us your word. I'm praying for those that are listening and those that are watching today. And Father, today I ask you that whatever pride tried to set up in their spirit and in their life, whatever haughtiness the devil tried to use to bring them destruction and cause them to fall, Lord, drive it out today by your power. Burn it up by the fire of the Holy Ghost and let humility overtake us like it never has. Let meekness overtake us like it never has in the mighty name of Jesus. And as we stand in humility, as we seek you in meekness, we thank you, Lord, that in our inheritance is quickly coming in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Our inheritance is quickly coming in Jesus' name. The blessing of heaven is quickly coming to our lives. We thank you that we will never have an opposition from your spirit. We'll never be opposed. 
will never be on different sides, that you're working with us, that you're fighting our battles for us in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, every time waster that stood in our way, every relationship that the devil sent, let us quickly discern that it was sent to destroy us and to waste our time. And let, the, let us have the strength and the boldness to bring those things to an end by the power of the Holy Ghost in Jesus' wonderful name. And use us by your glory. Use us by your glory. Surround us with faith-filled people. Surround us with those that would build us up, that would uh, move with us toward the promise, toward the purpose in Jesus' name. And then, Lord, put a new fire in our bellies today in Jesus' name. A new faithfulness to your kingdom. We'll be the most faithful we've ever been. We'll press in more than we ever have by the power of your Holy Spirit. We thank you. This is our season because of our faithfulness, not because you've sovereignly chosen a season of blessing, but because we are governing our seasons through our obedience and through our faithfulness. And as your word declares in Psalm 1, we will bear fruit in every season in Jesus' name. And we thank you, Lord, that the Father, who is the vine dresser, will prune us, like it said in John 15, will prune us so that we'll bear even more fruit in the kingdom of God. This will be our most fruitful year in the name of Jesus that we've ever seen. And we thank you for that. We give you praise for it and glory in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. And if you believe that today, shout a loud amen and throw those hands up all through the comments section. And today ask the Lord what it is you're supposed to sow. What kind of a seed? Have you sown this month? Have you sown this week? Has God given you an instruction? Have you obeyed it? Have you stepped out? If not, do what the Lord's telling you to do. I'm just telling you, this is a year to ramp everything up. This is a year to ramp everything up in faithfulness. And so I want to encourage you, sow your seed today. Go to miracleword.com. And uh, if you've not partnered with us, man, partner with us. Carolyn and I are stepping out. We're getting ready to do some of the biggest things we've ever done. And I'll tell you, God has put his hand of blessing on this ministry. We've seen never-ending increase since we've begun. That's it. Just increase. Just the blessing of heaven. And it's only God. It's not us. It's only God. Promotion only comes from the Lord. And so I say thank you to those that are sowing. As you know, this month, we're going to give you Dr. Lester Summerall's book as our way of saying thank you, Adventuring with Christ. For those that are partnering at $85 or more in the month of January, his story of traveling around the world with Howard Carter, it's faith building. And then if you're sewing at $250 or more, we're including How We Got the Bible, probably one of the best intro books to understanding where the scripture came from, why we can trust it, why it's inerrant, why it's inspired, and it'll blow your mind. It's an excellent read for those that are standing at $250 or more. And then one of my favorite things is the Net Bible, Full Notes Edition. I'm holding one right here. This is 60,000 notes on scripture from the translators, the behind the scenes information you don't normally get to see. Uh, this is our gift for those that are sowing $1,000 or more uh, in the month of January, along with those two books. And then for those that are standing at $5,000, sowing largely $10,000, we're going to be sending you the Elite Study Collection. My favorite study tools, all packaged in a keepsake box for those that are standing at a large level. And we say thank you to everybody that's standing with us. Don't forget, today at 2 o'clock, Carolyn will be live again. Tonight at 9 p.m., we're back with uh, day 20 of fasting sessions at night. Tomorrow, Saturday, the 22nd, is our breakthrough prayer and communion service, 9 o'clock. Do not miss this service. Send your prayer requests in so that we can lay our hands on them. And then, of course, we're going to be... Uh, taking communion together, and we're going to sow our first fruits offering and believe for the best year we've ever had. That's tomorrow night at nine o'clock. And then afterwards, we're breaking the fast, and, uh, but we're staying in prayer. We're staying in study. We're staying faithful this year, pressing in like we never have. I can't tell you how much I love you guys and appreciate every one of you and uh, love having you on every single day it means a lot to me. I'm praying for you as well, the Victory Tribe. We're lifting you up in prayer every single week. We have specific people who have requests that we're praying for. We're lifting up before the Lord, asking for quick turnarounds. 
and uh, I believe God's going to do it. Scroll back up. What did that What did that person say? I tried to send a prayer request at miracleword.com forward slash prayer and couldn't seem to find it. Can't seem to log in. Forgot my password. Asked to reset. Don't get anything sent to my email. Is there a password on that, Tiff? There's no password on that, Norman. You just go to miracleword.com forward slash prayer. And it's a, it's a form, right? It's just an online form. There's no password. There's no login. Just go to the website. Maybe clear your browser history and try again. But send it to us and we'll pray for you. I love you so much. Have a blessed and a wonderful day. Carolyn will see you at 2. I'll see you at 9. I'll talk to you very soon. Later. Now that's the stuff leaders should be.